I ascended. Very good. <laughs> Trying to be like Jesus, right? As you read through the different gospel accounts, right? We remember which books of the Bible are the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. As you read through those, quite often you'll come across a story or a teaching of Jesus, a parable perhaps, that is told by more than one of the gospel writers. And as you read through it, quite often you find details or things about the story that coincide quite nicely, that, that one author tells the same way another author tells. But a lot of times you also come across the same story or teaching told by two different people in a different way. So that some of the details in one account are different in another account. Sometimes one author leaves one part of the story out while another one makes sure to include something else. But then even sometimes the circumstances are even different. For example, you all remember that time Jesus went to church and he got mad at everybody for not leaving enough stuff after potluck? You remember that? Neither do I. But he did get mad at church one day, didn't he? You remember that? And he's flipping over tables and yelling at people, cracking whips. You remember that, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke say or write in their gospel account that Jesus did that at the end of his ministry. Okay, great, no big deal. But John, when he tells the story, he says that Jesus did it at the very beginning. Not a big deal, but you see the difference there. Oh, what about this? Think about we're talking about coming to the end of the Easter season. Easter morning. Well, one gospel writer tells us that a bunch of women went to the tomb. And when they were there, there was some stud in a white robe talking to them, right? But then John tells us that Mary goes and Jesus is there dressed up like the gardener, supposedly talking to Mary. Well, what do you make of the difference there? Or even our story today about the ascension of Jesus. In the book of Luke, it's told, well, kind of blandly, right, that Jesus went, left them, and went to heaven. And then in the book of Acts, we get a little more detail, and things are a little bit different. In the book of Acts, there's, an, there's angels there left to talk with the, the men, the disciples, right? And you wonder, what is this about? And even more complicated than that is that we are pretty sure And we're pretty confident that the same person wrote both of those books. So why would the same person tell the same story but in a different way? See, I made Manette mad and she left. (laughs) Understand that when we go into reading the Gospels, for example... If we go looking for a historical account, we might get ourselves in trouble. Sometimes we go in, we want to know exactly what happened and how it happened, play by play, how it all went down. And you've got to realize that most of the biblical writers, particularly the we're talking about today, the gospel writers, that's not their intention. They're not trying to give you a play-by-play of everything that's happened. Instead, they're trying to explain something very important to you that they believe. They're trying to explain a truth to you that they want you to understand. So often you hear some people, they'll look at these differences and say, well, that just proves that it's a story that didn't happen. It's a fable. It's a fairy tale. And friends, when you think that way, we're missing the point. These people are telling stories to express something about Jesus 
speaking about us that is truthful for our faith. So we need to remember that. These differences that we read, they're trying to explain how they interpret something that happened or something that Jesus said with their understanding of who Jesus was and what he was supposed to be doing. So that Luke, if he's writing the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he's not trying to give us, again, a a historical record. Instead, he's trying to show us something very important about who he thought Jesus was, what he thought about this ascension, and what he thinks about us. So when you come across these differences, and when you think about how these stories uh, don't quite follow the same pattern, have different things, instead of wondering, what in the world, ask yourself this question. What is the writer trying to tell me? What are they trying to get me to see, not just with my eyes, but with my heart and my faith as well? So for Luke, today, if we're talking about the ascension, what we realize is that the ascension story is so nice, Luke has to tell it twice. And what we realize is that in the book of Luke, at the ending of it, it really brings to a close a great story that he's told. And it's like the sequel that has to be told. You know, if you were to go watch the movie of Luke when it was done, you would say to yourself, oh, there's fixing to be another one coming out. Because you can't just leave it there. There was something good about to happen, obviously. And the ascension of Jesus is that pivot foot for Luke. That the ascension, the experience, the event, whatever you want to call it, is when Luke is able to change his focus from here to here. So that we can say and understand that his pre-ascension story, before Jesus ascended, the book of Luke, First, we can see that it starts off in the same place where it ends. Maybe you remember, oh, poor Zechariah being scared to go into the temple one day. But as he goes, he gets a vision. He's told that he's going to have a child and things happen. But it begins in the temple, and there's this kind of fear of being in the temple. And then Luke tells a story, pours a bunch of Jesus into the temple, so that by the end of the story, what are the disciples doing? They're blessing God. They're worshiping. And where are they doing it? In the temple. See, that'll preach. Put a little Jesus in your church, huh? Put a little Christ up in there and you go from this to this. Y'all with me? But it also puts that split in the middle of Luke's story. Because as the disciples are there, watching Jesus being ascended, see, understand that they have spent a good part of their life now with Jesus. They have walked with him, and now their walk, their literal walk with him is over. And Jesus has had such an impact on their lives. Think about the things that he has taught them, the things that he has shown them. Think about the things that they have seen him do the way that he's talked to them, them church officials that only he can do. So they've had all this time to be with him, to hear him teach, to watch him heal, so on and so forth. And now that time is coming to a close, and as they are watching him ascend, like one of their other spiritual heroes, Elijah, what else can they do but 
worship. Worship Him. Kind of like what we do, right? Here we are. Are you worshiping? After you wake up, right? Yeah, we're coming to worship, right? Because Jesus has meant so much for us. Think about the things Jesus and God has taught you. Think about the ways that God has moved in your life, the things that you have seen done in Jesus' name. Think about all those questions, those fears, those doubts, and on and on and on that Christ has been able to help you understand and make sense of. What do we do when God moves in that way? I think we do just like the disciples do. They worship. And here we are. See, but worship isn't just on the mountain, is it? It can't be. See, I had this deep theological thought this week. I'm going to share it with you. See if, see if, see how it comes out. If God is so awesome, then there is no way that Sunday morning is the only day we can get our praise on. That's deep, right? See how deep that was? Yeah, you write that down. I'll sign it for you, y'all. If God is who we keep saying God is, awesome God, powerful God, King of kings and Lord of lords, then there is no way that what we do here in about an hour is enough to say that we worship God. And that's why somebody once said, we don't come to worship. We come already worshiping. And when we come here, we learn how to worship better. We get the words that help us express our faith. We get the lessons that we all need so that we can go out there and live a worshipful life. Because it's kind of easy to worship here, isn't it? But out there, not so much sometimes. Y'all with me? And so since Jesus has taught us and shown us so much, we too can worship here on Sunday morning, just like those disciples worshiped where they were, heads gazing towards the heavens, worshiping. But remember, Luke is telling a story. And for Luke, he can't stop the story right there, right there with them worshiping head toward heaven. Because for him, that's not the end of the story. It can't be because the disciples still don't understand things, do they? See, as Luke unpacks this ascension experience in Acts chapter 1, you get the impression that the, or you see that the disciples are still asking the wrong kind of questions, aren't they? Oh, Jesus came back. Yes, I knew it. He said he would, and I knew he was going to. No, you didn't know it. You didn't. You were just as confused as everybody else. But now that he's back, and he's been teaching us more things, he's been opening our minds. <gasps> Lord, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Father, and these are the people I'm supposed to leave in charge, right? <laughs> Asking the wrong question. Because they don't understand. They haven't understood, haven't been able to understand what the resurrection experience was all about. And even up to this point, they still don't understand what is going on right in front of them. Good thing we got it all understood, right? 
Good thing we got our act together, huh? Yeah, good, good thing we know the right questions to ask. Good thing we know what's good to debate and fight about, not like them disciples in the Bible. They be wasting their time on junk. But we, when we fight, we fight about good stuff, right? Because we got ourselves together and we got it understood, don't we? No, we don't. We ask the wrong questions too, don't we? Our focus is on the wrong things too sometimes, isn't it? But here's the good news, friends. That experience that the disciples had there with Jesus watching him ascend is the experience that we can have as well. As we recognize that God is doing something in us as well. See, those poor disciples, they didn't realize that everything that he had taught them, everything that he had showed them, every word he spoke to them, every experience he gave to them was preparing them. See, they thought God was getting ready to do something big for them. Give back the kingdom, right, God? But what they didn't realize is that through everything Jesus taught them, God had prepared them to do something big for God. So what has God showed you? What have you learned about Scripture? about faith? What have you learned about the world and our place in the world? What have you learned about what it means to be church? What it means to be faithful? What are the things that you know God has taught you? Think about that. And realize this. God's already done something big for you. All those things that God has shown you and will continually teach you and show you is preparing you to do something for God. It's our turn. The way to be in prayer to God and to hear God's word, not only with our minds and our ears, but to be open to God's word in our hearts. If we could sing together, pray together by singing together our hymn of response in the faith we sing songbook number 2171.